Everyone has a strategy and everyone has ideas. Not everyone has the capability that gets a bunch of people committed, excited to actually execute upon it. And that's that culture. It also probably is undervalued, Eric, because it's, it's not as important, believe it or not, during the great times. It's actually during the really difficult times of which culture is really that shock absorber. I, I use an analogy of a car, and um, there's so many parallels, believe it or not, to, to, to an elite culture in a car, from the shock absorber piece to the alignment piece. You're trying to create alignment within your organization. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I'm inordinately glad that you're here. Please remember to support the show by subscribing, commenting, and sharing. Today, I am pleased to have Eric Stone with me. Eric, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Well, Eric, thanks for having me on the show. And so the easiest version of what I do is, I guess you could say I'm your, your business consultant who helps organizations build a unique, high-performing culture. And I'll also do some speaking engagements as well as some individual coaching as well to help uh, that, as you might say, the newly promoted manager to get their bearing set. Awesome. Well, we have lots in common, so this should be a good conversation. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. So our topic today is uh, building a high performance team. And I've got a few questions for you around that. The first one is, what do you believe the key factors are that a new manager should prioritize when leading a team, especially now that we've got five generations in the workplace? Yeah, great question. I think the, the biggest piece of advice I'd give is to really focus on what I talk about in my most, the, my most recent book, which is the five key factors of, of employee engagement. And so there, the first one would be something is creating a strong relationship with your team. You know, the number one reason people are leaving is a, usually a dissatisfaction with their manager. And so how do you build this special trust? You know, and it is amazing once trust is built, what people will share, what they'll open up to. And so you have to have some sort of setting from the time you get maybe the employee through their own journey as they progress through your team and eventually some other team. And you almost want to have your, your own You've heard of CRM, the customer relations manager. Well, you might want to have your own employee relations manager and have a good understanding of those motivating factors, the styles that motivate them the best, meaning the employee, and some things, obviously, you know, personally about them. And so the first one, you really have to make sure that you're creating a strong relationship. Second is uh, clear communication of your expectations and goals. And Eric, you're probably not surprised, but 40% of employees are unsure of their goals and expectations. And so creating this simple, consistent, clear message where everyone is in alignment. And the easy part is usually setting the goals and expectations. And you might want to think of two big things. How often am I going to go over this? So daily, weekly, monthly, what is my cadence for communicating these expectations and goals? What setting? You know, is it in person? Is it virtual? Is it an email? Am I going to use certain technology to kind of communicate the information? And so making sure that you are crystal clear with those goals and expectations. Uh, third, write material, equipment, and information to achieve 
the desired outcome. Only 40% of employees, this is a worldwide stat, feel that they have adequate training. And so I've, I've rarely, Eric, met someone who wants to be really poor at what they do. And so most places will have some form of corporate training that they might be gifted through by the organization. And then you're going to have a little bit of your own local flavor. And these managers out there are making hundreds of decisions in a month. And it's how many of those are you sharing? And do you create something like a shadow log that really observes and shapes the behaviors that you're trying to get from your team? Or do you use some form of a learning log to kind of reflect and learn about the typical day? You know, I always wanted someone to go home personally when I was going through the management development and what did my team learn for the day to keep things really fresh? And the more I trained, the more frankly I felt I could actually challenge my team. Fourth was a, a manager who encourages personal and professional growth. So start thinking of some of those things. What am I going to do to help them be successful, not only inside the organization, but outside? And so thinking personally, you know, getting to know them, what are some of their aspirations? Do they want to get a certification in something? Do they want to own a second home, learn a second language, whatever it may be? You know, what are some of those things? Maybe in some of your meetings, you could even have the last 15 minutes of some of the meetings and you have someone who actually comes in to talk about financial literacy from budgeting perspective or nutrition and how to eat healthy in a fast-paced world. And then professionally, you've got to have those developmental tools. You know, what are some of the things that you can do to help them continue to progress through the organization and create a strong bench for the organization? It might be career mapping. It might be some behavioral training things that you're constantly trying to do. And then the last one, of course, a system where top performance is rewarded. Only 60% of employees feel that they're rewarded for some of their efforts. So this is a clear indicator that, you know, number one, are you rewarding those right behaviors? Do you have the right amount of categories? How often do you review the, your rewards? Everyone's motivated by something different is why the first step so important, understanding your team. And always being mindful to recognize effort and reward excellence. And if you can look at those five steps and put them, put an initiative or two under each one, I think you're going to be in great shape. Yeah, I love it. That is, that is well said. I'm reminded of Dan Pink's book, Drive. Just, you know, thinking about how folks need autonomy, mastery, and purpose to, to feel motivated. And you know, it's not just about a paycheck for folks. I mean, you just need to pay people enough to get the issue of money off the table. But then if you can provide autonomy, mastery, purpose, and rewards that actually mean something to people and, and reward actual excellent performance, as you said, then you're really on the track toward getting a team that, that's higher, hitting on all cylinders. It, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I look in my early career and I was in corporate America and was fortunate to climb the corporate ladder and one of the largest privately held companies in North America. And, you know, it, if I just looked at it as I was, quote unquote, renting cars, probably not that aspirational, but with the people and the mentors I found and the values of the organization, it became so much more of the whole reason for this is how do you get a group of people to come together to achieve something that is a common goal, but is uncommon results, meaning to the good. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm in violent agreement. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, next question. 
How would you recommend a new manager craft their time management skills? So a bit of a pivot from where we just were. Yeah, I, you know, in my career, I find two big obstacles that they, uh, the new managers run into. One, you know, they, they just can't get the time to get the stuff that they might need done. Um, and then they sometimes actually struggle with holding people accountable. So step one is whatever industry you're in or business you're in, you've, you've got to have probably by the middle of, for example, August, your September calendar needs to be done. Well, what needs to be on that calendar are going to be your big initiatives, what I call your big rocks, you know, those five or six things that are going to really drive the business for whatever you're trying to do. And you got to find the right slots. And it's not only important to just schedule it, but when you have that moment and you're in that moment for that initiative, that you put the time and energy into that. And so step one, you've got to make sure that's uncovered. And then I call the sand, the other things you got to start filling in. And those are all those responsibility rosters, roles and responsibilities, whatever you're used to calling them for you and your team to make sure that now everything is kind of put pen to paper. Now, Things are going to happen and things will get out of whack at times, but you got to, it's better to be planned with it. And what I find is a huge opportunity, and I know it always helped me, was just think time. And so I would carve, you know, usually it'd be a midweek and end week, or I might try to spend, if I can, depending on what you do, that hour that reflects what have I done so far for the week and what do I need to ensure that I'm getting ready for, for that next week. And so from a scheduling perspective, we used to call it scheduling with precision. You've got to put yourself in a great position. I am a huge fan of scheduling with precision. I I do that all the time. My calendar looks crazy just because I schedule time for everything. And I love how I'm hearing echoes of of Stephen Covey and uh, the seven habits in in what you're saying here as well. So that's that's good stuff. By the way, if you haven't read Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, good book. Well, you know, Eric, he he put something out there called the Covey Quadrant that's in the book mm-hmm. and uh, is another great exercise as you're prioritizing certain things that are really, really crucial. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fabulous. And the, the history behind that is really neat as well. So good stuff. All right. You know, you mentioned that there are the four Ds of emails. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. So now that you've got yourself hopefully scheduled and you're going to have that successful month, your position to at the very least is what I find a lot of individuals get so absorbed in it, the, the mass information through technology. There is so much that gets thrown at us, whether it's email or uh, you're on a Slack channel, whatever a project management system, things are just constantly getting delivered because of the ease of access nowadays. And so I always coached on these four Ds. The first one is as, as things are coming in, there you could defer it. So meaning it's it's important. It just doesn't have to be done over the next couple of days. And that might be delayed delivery via your email, Outlook or Gmail or whatever you're using to put it maybe into a different spot next week. So you, you might want to defer it. You could certainly delete it, which is unfortunately what a lot of people at times do is they just delete the email and really the purpose is usually you're deleting it when it's irrelevant, it's not important, or it's done. It, it's already done. And so making being mindful before you hit the delete button. But that is a good function to make sure what's in front of you, you can manage what's in front of you. you do it. You know, the, the great ones have a way to assess that I can do this in a couple of minutes and I might just kind of knock that out to make sure it doesn't keep building because it's easy to push things out until next week. And then the delegate, the final one, 
Um, and and this is a, a deep one. So you you obviously are going to empower others to hopefully help you be able to get your own stuff done, and you're going to empower them with their own assignments that might be delivered. The key to the to the delegate is really I hate to give four things under it is when you delegate. And Eric, I, I know you know this, but but step one, are you clear with the expectation? You know what is what is the expectation of this task assignment? Are they trained and coached on how to do it? And so I can't just say, hey, here, go get it. I, I do have to make sure they understand how to do it. The, the follow-up, of course, is that third bucket of like, when are we following up, kind of putting it to calendar or email in a delayed delivery standpoint? How are we following up with this? And then accountability. And accountability is not always bad. It just, how am I going to hold you accountable? It could be, hey, great job. Or it could be, hey, what's going on? This is the third time it's not done. And so those are the simplest D's. I, I got to give a real funny story. I met with a, a prior employee. We used to work together and we're having breakfast. And he says, Eric, man, you know, the first I coach all the time, you know, the first thing I do is I talk about the three D's and I'm like, oh no, it's four. It's four D's, not three D's. You're missing one, but um, four D's are key. Yep. I, I love it. I, I use those four D's a lot and I, and I tend to triage my emails so that I'm not stuck in my inbox. First thing in the morning, first place I go is my calendar, not my email. And I try to keep my email down to a low roar. Like right now, if I look at my email, I've got 31 messages in my inbox, three are unread. And to me, that's a lot. That's, that's, a, bit, that's a bit much. I, I need to get that down. Well, and you talk about you know some of the things that overwhelm the employees. And when we talk about engagement is when people feel overwhelmed and they have so much in front of them and they're not managing it right and they're pushing it down the road. But next Tuesday, everything was pushed to next Tuesday. An unexpected event happens. I become overwhelmed. And my whole thing was how do we make sure that we can clear away the obstacles for the team so they have an opportunity to be as successful as they can possibly be? Yeah, absolutely. It's a big, big part of your job as a manager is, is get obstacles out of the way, clear the path to performance. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, let's transition now and talk a little bit about communication. What are some tips when communicating information to your team? So, so this is huge. It, it's actually a part of what I wrote in the book. And it, it, it's to try to like every acronym you might want to possibly have, you, know, you want to keep it simple. And it's the ABCs and A is you're amplifying the message. And so as you're digesting all of this stuff, this could be a new company policy comes out that's critical to maybe a technology that you have. It might be a new contest that your team group organization is having. And these are things that need to be amplified. And we need to be exhausted at every channel to make sure everyone's aware of it. And that is via, you know, a morning huddle in the morning. It's a weekly meeting you might have. You're bringing the new change up or event. It's emails. It's posted all over if you're in an work environment. Let's hope maybe you have a chance to go into the office. You have it plastered like wallpaper all over the place. So it's really hard to miss and it's constantly talked. So you must amplify that message. And we know how hard it is to get the right things communicated. Sometimes we find the wrong things seem to get communicated crystally clear way quicker but this is just a simple amplify approach. And then you have the B for buffer. We have so much information that is coming at us. I would call this being the distraction catcher of your team. And what you're really trying to do is maybe take that five-page document and squeeze it into a nice clear paragraph or two. <laughs> and you're going to kind of buffer or pat it down a little bit to make it easier. Take a little air off the uh, 
off of the basketball to, to make it easier. And then the C is convey. You know, these are your, your, your did you knows, the ESPN kind of phrase, you know, did you know that? And this could be something as simple as it's just put on some sort of project management system that you might put information out. It's, it's again, nice to know. It's not critical to know, but it's there. It's accessible. And I think if you could follow just thinking of what bucket am I putting this particular initiative in or task, I think that might be helpful. All right. The ABCs. <laughs> I love it. My last topic for you, sir, is about culture. So I have a couple of questions here about culture. The first is, how do you create a high-performance culture? And I think you've alluded to it previously, but let's let's double-click on that. Yeah, I think this is where... So we originally started this conversation with the engagement, these five engagement factors. And the reason why I'm glad we talked about that is those in, when you have engaged employees, they tend to really lead to really strong business outcomes. Whatever survey company you use, Gallup or whoever you use, there is an amazing enhancer or it's a it's a jump start to the overall outcomes. And so yeah, that is, you know, start with your engagement piece. And if you would envision something like what I call an hourglass. And so I write, there's an eyeglass, which is I, and then there's an hourglass, which is us all together. And if you would envision an hourglass on the top, and I know this is audio only, but envision it with me here, you know, as the hourglass is kind of slowly, it slowly starts in this big circular sphere and it slowly gets into where the sand comes out. Up top is where you're really gathering information, creating relationships, understanding from your clients, customers, whomever your stakeholders, employees are, you're gathering information that's really, really important. And so that's that listen, observe, and learn phase of it. And then you are going to try as as a team, really on the communication, to buffer those things that don't really matter. And right where the sand comes out is clarity. And so those great organizations find the clarity of here is what we're working on. We used to call them commitments, big rocks, as I mentioned before. That's what we're going to focus on. And then when everybody, because this has been amplified, the A of the communication, then as the sand goes through, you notice the hourglass comes out again. And that's the reinforcement and the training and the coaching and the development of your team to create these culture carriers that are going to kind of take these initiatives and pass them through the organization. This is the reinforcement of everything that goes on until it eventually it is going to resonate. And that's where you really assess. And I talk deeply about really there's five ap- approaches to that hourglass, but that's the high level view. Now, when you build culture, what's interesting is, of course, whether a pandemic hits or just new technology comes in, something's always going to be there. And that's why you turn the hourglass over and you really follow a similar type of simplistic approach. Um, And so that is just an easy way to look at it in simple terms of what you're trying to do. Simple. I like it. Okay. Let's continue with the high performance culture thread. What's the biggest myth about workplace culture? Yeah. Great, great question. I think Everyone thinks it's this soft, hugs and high fives, this nebulous, unclear, impassable demand, uh, a measure, I should say. And it's, it's you know, sometimes perceived as an HR function. And what I loved about culture, to me, it was that shock absorber and catalyst to execution. And so those are the myths. But to me, when you look at the great team's and what do they do? Culture tends to be that thing 
and it can, it, it can be measured, which we could talk about a little bit too. And so the catalyst to execution was the culture. So culture is the thing. It's like it, it is the energizer to your strategy. And what I found is everyone has a strategy and everyone has ideas. Not everyone has the capability that gets a bunch of people committed, excited to actually execute upon it. And that's that culture. It also probably is undervalued, Eric, because it's it's not as important, believe it or not, during the great times. It's actually during the really difficult times of which culture is really that shock absorber. I, I use an analogy of a car and there's so many parallels, believe it or not, to, to, to an elite culture in a car from the shock absorber piece to the alignment piece. You're trying to create alignment within your organization. So those are a few myths. You know, I wanted to say one thing that I left out accidentally about that, that hourglass piece. So we talked about a framework you could use. The pillars of each side of the hourglass are really the things that guide you to make those decisions. And, and on one side, I always had your policies and procedures that, that are going to ensure how you hopefully make the decisions and the mission, vision, and value that are also these guiding principles that'll help you. And so those are your kind of guardrails that you'll utilize. Yep. I, the mission, vision, values, super important to, to creating and perpetuating a great culture. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you circled back around to that. All right. Let's transition now and talk a little bit more about you. Specifically, tell us about your book and what makes it different from the rest. So, you know, first of all, there's so many amazing authors out there. The, the one thing I wanted to deliver is I wanted a practical guide. I didn't want it theoretical. I didn't want it too high level. As you could see from some of these examples, even at that management level, it's, it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. So I wanted a practical guide with true life examples, whether they were from my executive experience with a, you know, one of the largest probably health companies in North America, or it was my interviews that I spoke to, to get their stories. And so I think step one, that was really, really important. I also wanted to make sure that there was a, you know, when I would ask senior leaders and say, hey, how do you measure workplace culture or culture in general? It really, you almost hear cricket sometimes because it can be that unknown or this invisible topic. And so I wanted to be able to use some information that I can gather that might help organizations look at these, in, you know, there's these three quantitative topics and three qualitative topics I talk about. That when you put them together, you can come up with your own health or measurement of, of culture. And so I think those are just a few. And with the hourglass approach, that is kind of a simple principle with clear examples, I thought that is going to be a little bit different than most. And again, there, there are some amazing books, so we know that for sure. But that's what I think makes this one different. And that's the feedback that I've been given from whether it's you know, you're a Gen Xer who might be in that leadership role or even the Gen Z who's coming in and they truly do want to learn how to lead. You've just got to find ways to connect and bring those five as you opened up with these five generations together and create something special. Nice. And remind us, what's the title of the book and where can we find it? So it is Jumpstart Your Workplace Culture. And you can find it Amazon uh, for pre-order right now, Barnes & Noble. You can go to Amplify Publishing's website, which is the publisher of the book. So thanks to Amplify. Or ericdstone.com will give you a whole bunch of stuff uh, about the book as well. 
All right. Good deal. So that is Jumpstart Your Workplace Culture, a Roadmap for Igniting High Performance. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Eric. I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, If folks want to find you and talk more, how can they do that? So the best way is just jumping on LinkedIn and finding me on LinkedIn. I do have Instagram channel. It's clearpathventures underscore. And I've just started a YouTube channel, uh, certainly on Facebook, but but primarily I'd go with, with LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. Okay. All right. LinkedIn and Instagram. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Watch for my book, Lead Like a Pro, The Essential Guide for New Managers, coming September 20th. We will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. See you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at GerardTrainingSolutions.com. 